0: I teach people how to actually live their design instead of just knowing it. And if this is something that you want to do too, well, stay tuned or reach out for private coaching or Human Design Unpacks, where I show you exactly how to live your design. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Human Design Podcast, Today, I am so excited to share this guest with you because honestly, I feel like we're kindred spirits. The amount of times I've seen him rant, as I call it, because I talk about myself as I'm ranting on Instagram in with such power and beauty and grace, and I'm in the comments going, yeah, go for it. Totally agree. This is freaking awesome. So I'm so excited to be talking to you, Atara Valentine. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. And, and likewise, literally, I think the first, several minutes. We just talked to each other before this started. It's like, oh, let's just do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I am so excited to dive in because you are a two, four reflector. Um, And as I just said to you before, like the moment I looked at your chart, I was like, what? It gets even better. I get to actually like dive into this and someone who talks about codependence with a reflector. Oh my goodness. I'm so pumped and excited about all of that. But before we get to that piece, I really would love you to share with my audience a little bit about your journey. I mean how you you know often I talk about that that the catalyst like what was the dark night of the soul what was that that challenge and especially being a reflector, I think it's going to help a lot of my listeners out listeners out yeah. there and just tell us about that journey to get to where you are today and who you are today.
1: yeah, so it's been really interesting because. I feel like I could describe my actual life as a series of rock bottoms. Mm. That was really what guided me forward. It's been really interesting as I've had my chart done by, you know, a handful of people. And it's the first thing everybody says like, whoa, your chart has so much tension and opposition in it more so than any other person I've ever read before. And that started as a very, at a very young age. And In response to that, I really wanted to figure out how I can show up within my life in a way that felt safe for me, because I grew up, you know, in an abusive environment in my household. I was bullied in school. I didn't really ever have a safe place. And I spent so much of my life trying to influence the environment by being who I thought I had to be for people right, and really changing who I was and changing my beliefs and changing my values from person to person to try and have some semblance of safety, but it never stuck, and hence the codependency that we're talking about, and I didn't really know who I was because I was never, I mean, one, if you want to throw being a reflector into it, if we're going the human design route, and two, when you're not really rewarded for anything that you naturally are, And there's always some kind of criticism when you do show up in a way that feels good to you. So I spent so much of my life kind of just trying to exist and feel like I could create a space where I was allowed to just kind of be. I didn't even care if I was myself. I just wanted to be able to be without disruption because it felt no matter what I did, no matter where I went, there was always really negative attention that was put onto me. People have always Mm -hmm. been drawn to me, but I think when people are drawn to you, but they don't understand why they tend to go more negative because they don't understand. And I still have this, right? Uh, This quality, except now people actually see something because I am fully embodied and and know how to express myself and show up. And I'm not changeable like I was before, but in the process of me trying to figure myself out, I did everything you could possibly do wrong right? I didn't stand up for myself. I never used my voice. I never learned how to say no. I became really good at supporting other people in their dreams, but was very critical of myself. I was just always stuck, but I became a really good cheerleader for other people. And while that is a a temporary fix that feels good from moment to moment, it wasn't sustainable because ultimately, whenever I wasn't doing I felt completely lost and empty in who I was Mm -hmm. and it caused a lot of issues in my personal relationship with myself because I never wanted to be alone. So I had a lot of ingestive addictions, whether it was food, whether it was alcohol, you know, I did LSD. I can't even tell you how many times when I was, you know, like 14 years old, because I just wanted to escape from myself. I was by myself. I didn't know how to sit with myself. So that's really what pushed me into doing what I do and I started as a musician and I still play music and I do have a record that I'm going to release but it kind of took the back seat because it felt like the most obvious route forward because my father was a musician and he put a guitar in my hand at a very young age and it it seemed like the only outlet that I had to express myself that nobody really seemed to judge and I didn't share it with anybody it was just kind of for me so I thought that was the only avenue of potential that I had in order to do what I wanted to do, which was really help people and influence change and teach people new ways of thinking and teach people how to be who they are, which is something that I struggled with. And the music industry just kind of reinforced every negative association that I ever developed. Mm-hmm. So I never released a record, right? I would release a song and then I'd pull it off. I'd get a manager and then everything would fall apart. and you know, self-sabotage, which to me is just really protection when we don't know what we're getting into, mm. um, would always come in to make things familiar again. So in learning how to navigate through that for myself, I went through my own personal growth journey. You know, I've studied Kabbalah for almost 20 years at this point. Mm. I was the kid who was reading books about Hare Krishna and Buddhism and, and just, uh, you know, in elementary school, I was the 12 year old kid who was subscribed to psychology today, because I just wanted to have some kind of understanding. And I knew there was some kind of answer, but I had a really hard time finding it. And in the process of searching for the answers I was looking for, I actually, you know, without sounding like, you know, my life is the story of the alchemist, but I really found the answers that I was seeking within myself and they were there all the time. I just didn't know how to access them. So that's what I teach people what to do now. And it's been so powerful because everything that I thought I wanted from music, I actually got from this portal and it's been so satisfying. And yeah. here we are today.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. I love all of that. I've, I am a manifesting generator and I'm literally like, my cycle is going boom, boom, boom. And I'm sure the listeners are as well, because number one, my favorite book on the planet is The Alchemist. Um, and uh, everything that you were talking about I just think is fascinating because we actually talk here, I talk all the time about how with my journey, very similar, I have a chart that I always joke like I'm constantly run, running into myself or away from myself because there's so much polarity. You know, I'm fast, I'm slow, I'm, you know, powerful, I'm timid. It's there's There's so much polarity. So I totally resonate with that. And that piece that you said, like, you know that all the answers are inside of you. Like, one of the things I'm always banging on about is, like, you are the guru. Like, we we are the gurus in our own life. And I just love that all of this um, this resonance between your journey and everything that we talk about here is so incredibly powerful. So I just want to geek out on the human design piece because I really feel like that energy is really, of the reflector is really picking up. The community and showing the community what's important to us as well as oh my goodness I just in this moment realized so many reflectors that I know that I've worked with that are partners with people I've worked with are either artists or musicians it's mm-hmm. blowing my mind and I wonder like was there something within the music like was the music because you did say there was a part of you that's like that's where you kind of felt like and I'm, these weren't the words you used but you you felt like that was where you almost knew yourself or you felt that sort of clarity. Like, tell us a little bit about that relationship with music.
1: Yeah. So the reason I think that happened was because it was one of the very few intimate spaces that I actually had with myself, Mm. right? There was no judgment around it. It was not something I ever intended on sharing with people. And when I used it in the way that felt good for me, it was this very safe space because I was able to almost reflect back on myself, like no pun intended, but kind of pun intended. Yeah, I love it. Because um, I think sometimes we try to process our, our feelings intellectually and we expend so much energy and so much brain power doing that. And, we, and it feels productive because we get tired, right? Or we get angry or we, we start having emotional or physiological responses to it, but it very rarely gets anywhere, and I'm a firm believer that we can't really work things out unless we have a conversation, unless we journal, unless we do more internal work and have a dialogue with it, because that's where we really get the truth reflected back to us, right? Yeah. Your brain will delete, to store, or generalize any information that does not fit the story, right, that you're existing within. Yeah. So for me, music allowed me to really get to the truth of what I was feeling and empower myself in the process by creating something really beautiful from something that started incredibly negative. However, When it came to me putting myself out there and needing, you know, a manager and using my voice and all of these things, even playing shows, I had to embody a character because Mm. I did not feel comfortable showing up as myself because again, all of my programming, I didn't think that was good enough. I didn't think I was good enough. So I wore costumes and I wore like makeup where I almost entirely covered my face and it became an outlet, but it became disconnected from who I am and and the real vulnerability that my music was about, right? And then eventually, as it became my career, it became more about problem solving. Because again, when you're raised codependent, you're not taught, well, use your voice, lead with your message. You're taught, okay, what's happening in the environment? Who can I be right now? Who am I not allowed to be? What's going to be the most effective? What's going to make other people comfortable so I can be comfortable? So all of that mentality and all of that programming started influencing my music And it just reinforced that story again of, I don't know who I am. People don't like me for who I am. I don't know how to be who I am. I'm rewarded for being somebody else. And you get really lost within that. So um, that's what happened to me with music. And actually off the back of this and doing all of this work and launching my brand, The Seed Level, I picked up painting again, and it's been the most honest portrayal of who I actually am as a person oh, because there's I no thought it's all just feeling and people have been responding very early in my career to my style and saying they want to get into it and touch it and move around and and that's everything I wanted to create with music that I couldn't because my intellect always got in the way.
0: Oh, I love all of that so much and and I really I want to talk about codependence and I really want you to break down codependence for our mm-hmm. audience. But before we get to that, what I want to talk about, because I think within the human design world, there's so often, um, you know, the way they talk, you know, the knowledge talks about reflectors. I can often feel like it's really unresourceful. You know, they mm-hmm. don't know who they are. And you've used sort of a lot of the language. But the thing that I'm, I believe I'm hearing, please correct me if I'm wrong, but the thing I believe I'm hearing is that you do know who you are. Um, for me, you know, sort of just watching through Instagram. So clearly I know, but like 2% of who you really are, but it seems to me that you do, that you've found who you are, that, you know, the thing I talk about a lot with reflectors is like, there is consistency in your chart. Don't let people tell you that you don't know and you won't know who you are and all of these things. So I would really love you to talk about um, and you can choose if you want to go break down codependence and potentially the way people can heal themselves through that process. But I also really would love to hear about how you feel today, like that consistency of, you know, I am a Tara. What does it mean to, to be Atara, and that consistency of knowing who you are today?
1: Yeah. So what I will say is this, <clears throat> who I am is just who I am. I've always been that person even when I didn't know it. Right. And the difference is I now choose to understand myself more. I choose to work through the discomfort to understand where that came from. What is me? What is something I learned? Right. What is me? What is my natural response versus was what is a positive association that was reinforced for being valuable to other people? Right. Because who we are and how we are are very different things. And this is really the basis of my brand and what I teach. And it's interesting because I never really thought of it specifically from the way that you put it, where you said, your brand is so much about codependency. And I never thought about that, right? But the reality or the actuality of it is, my brand is a direct response to codependency. Mm. It's everything that I had to learn in order to become an individual again.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: And so I really push these things. People like, I wanna talk about relationship, I wanna talk about money. And I was like, we will get there, right? But first, let's talk about you because so many people don't know who they are, right? Because there is a little voice trying to remind them, but that voice is very quiet. We hear the critical voice much louder because that's what's trying to protect us, to keep things the same, to keep things familiar, right? So I've always been a consistent person in the sense that I always thought I had some bigger purpose. I didn't know what that meant, right? I was always excited by new things. I do love surprise. Still, surprise to me is the most exciting thing. So when I found out that was something with human design, that was really reaffirming. But I'm even consistent in my inconsistency.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Right. And that also creates excitement for me. I'm always looking to learn something new. I never settle for who I think I am in the moment and leaving it there. I'm a curious person. I love working with curious people who want more answers, who want to know themselves even better, who want better relationships, better friendships, who want to show up differently at their job, even though they're still happy. Right? Mm. So for me... That's something that it took time to develop. And I'm very consistent with that, right? Oh, I love that. Consistently inconsistent. And it's actually really productive because then we don't fall into any trappings of the who we think we're supposed to be, right? So versus codependency teaches us who we are supposed to be is who we are allowed to be based on other people's reactions to us. And what's interesting is I take people through this model when they work with me one-on-one and and I'm about about to launch a subscription service so people can go through this work um, on their own. I don't think I've announced it Super exciting. Um, Just because it's hard. And as we talked about this industry, is really good at making people feel small, making people feel broken, making people feel that their lives are out of control and reinforcing that by throwing a bunch of language, making them learn a whole new vocabulary in order for them to change so that they get stuck within people's models and they still don't learn to trust themselves. Yes. So, right. And I always say to my clients, first thing, because so much of what I am doing with people is deconditioning them from even the programming of the wellness industry. Yeah. Right. And the first thing I always say to people is, listen, I don't want to use the word healing journey because you're not broken, right? You're a whole human being. Some of the stuff that you learned is effective and it's still effective and working for you. And you get to keep that. And some of the stuff that you learned was effective at a certain period of your life and it is no longer working for you. We are in a process of learning to learn a new way forward with those things. And these things still get to exist together. And that's all it is. And if we can begin to think of this work that way, the pressure becomes way less intense. And we can really give ourselves the time, patience, and grace that we afford to the people who are around us, right? Yeah. And oh, that's I love really, that. right. And that's really the only way through codependency. Because when we've been raised, right, and I'll kind of quickly just go through this, our environment essentially dictates how we're allowed to be, right? Our environment informs our behavior. So my environment told me what I have to say, who I am is not important, but how I show up for people, how I make other people feel, how I reflect back to people, even with my family. Oh, don't wear that. They're going to think this about us. Don't do that. Don't say that. Be respectful to these people because of this. There were so many rules about how I had to constantly compromise myself In order to not bring shame to the family.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So, how did that influence my behavior? Right. If our environment influences our behavior, I didn't work on being independent. I worked on making people feel good, mastering systems, getting good grades, accomplishment, things in an environment that would mirror back to me that I was doing and being who I was supposed to be. Right. And then the behavior informs Mm -hmm. the skills we pick up. Right what do I need to learn to be even more successful at this? So of course I became a really good friend, a really good student, the best kid who did everybody's chores. Right. And I did not learn how to say no, how to set boundaries, how to use my voice, how to hold space for myself yeah, because it was not reinforced. Right. So then those skills reinforce our beliefs. See, when I do this for people, they like it but when I need help, nobody shows up for me. So people still don't care about who I am. Right. And then that reinforces what we value friendship, success, titles, money, being a certain weight, something we see outside of us that makes us feel something. Right. Of course, we're not going to value autonomy, sovereignty, alone time space. Right. What the fuck do we do there? Yeah. Freak out and question everything in our life. Right. We don't like that. So then our identity is that of someone who's a people pleaser, someone who's codependent. Yeah. Problem with that is. Your identity informs your vision, what you believe is possible. So you still need your environment to dictate through environmental factors that you've made it. I will feel loved. When I have a partner who looks like this, is this tall, makes this much money and treats me this way.
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: will feel successful when I have this amount of money in the bank, this title, this kind of job. I will feel beautiful when the scale says I'm this weight, when my hair is this long, when I can fit in this size, size clothing, right? Yeah. But that still has nothing to do with you. And we keep going down this trail and it just keeps reinforcing that how you are is more important than who you are.
0: Oh my God. I love that. You know, that's so freaking important. I love all of that. There's so much I want to respond to. And, you know, one of the things that I'm banging on about all the time is I'm hugely successful in business, money, relationships, you know, uh, parenting, all of these things, but I never teach it. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I did it my way. You know, I, I want to help people and I want to teach people and share with people that all your answers lie within you. So yeah. how you access that is all about you and you're bang on right. It all comes down to the relationship that we have with ourselves and that ability to be able to, you know, you, you that use the word decondition. I often use the word recondition because at the end of the day, you know, our unconscious mind is still going to be unconscious. Yes, we're going to be conscious too and aware of so much more, However, we need to recondition it. We need to recondition it so it's in alignment with who we really are, as opposed yeah. to who we perceive we need to be to get love, to be taken care of, to belong, to feel enough. And I just I just love all of that. I think it's so incredibly, incredibly beautiful. And I just want to refer to a couple of things, because as you were speaking, I was hearing you sort of talk to your design. Um, and I think one of the things that I think is really beautiful is that you are a 2-4, so you... One of the things that that it's always going to be about for you is the people around you. And I think it's such a great example of how even though you have this line for energy, which is all about the people, it's all about opportunities, it's all about um, being around uh, and those opportunities come. those opportunities come from those people around you. However, you need to know when those people don't make you feel great. when they make you feel like you're in the in service to them, at their you know their dictation as opposed to oh I choose to be in service I choose to be around these people uh and I just I just loved all of that and I think that so often um you know whatever our conditioning te- teaches us we need to be as we start to become aware of it and I think what you said a lot about the, the wellness industry is like We have to understand, and the words I use, and I loved what you used as well, but I use resourceful or unresourceful. I want to take away good and bad because it's not about good, bad, right or wrong. It's about is this resourceful? So is it sustainable? You know, is it moving you forward? Is it about growth? Is it about um you know evolution or is it unresourceful so it's unsustainable it's coming from fear it's and and when we can start to see those things like you say we stop punishing ourselves we stop you know that internal critic will start to to wind back but of course we have to it gets louder before it gets quieter so you know be you know be kind to yourself on that journey so i just love all and all of that i'd love you to talk a little bit about um relationships like In your personal journey, especially because from the frame of, um, you know, being a reflector and to to me it seems like you have found that path, you've found how you want to serve and support people and it's definitely like in um, your what we call um, the the evolution or it's your um, design, sorry, your personality earth there's this, this depth, you know, the, that gate 48, it's the line two. It's all about this passion and relationships. And I just, and relationships always also sit over in the um, the other side of your chart, with the design sun and earth in the four. So relationships is obviously something that's so huge to you. So I would love to hear a little bit about that story, you know, like obviously you would have called in relationships that were really unresourceful for you because you learned that you were at someone else's um, whim, I don't think that's the right word, but I'm just going to run with it. Tell. I'd love to hear that story. Like how did you actually choose to go, oh, my God, this person, I actually can put a boundary in here. I can choose something different because I think there's so many people out there, all types, all profiles, doesn't matter your design, so let's throw out that, that, yeah. that do struggle. They're in friendships and they can be in friendships for a lot of their life with people that actually make them feel shit. So I'd love to hear your journey of like almost waking up to, holy crap, I don't have to have these friends. I can choose people that feel great. And obviously, a lot of that is your evolution. As you're growing and evolving and valuing yourself more, it's almost like the quantum has to respond. But I'd love you to, I'd love my listeners actually to hear that, oh, right, I can make those decisions and and maybe what they felt like or how you navigated that journey.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because I think you touched on so much of it, even in just the way that you asked the question. And I would say the thing that really initiated relationships for me, romantic when I actually got to the point to thinking I was even lovable because I spent so Mm -hmm. much of my life thinking I was going to just die by myself. And that nobody could possibly love me. So I never was in relationships. I struggled with my sexuality for years because I was so bullied with it from the time I was in third grade, which is mm-hmm. seven years old, where I didn't identify as anything. And so relationships for me were, oh, I understand what my job is.
0: Mm, That's wow.
1: For me what a relationship was. Ouch. And not with conscious clarity like that, right? But the moment I saw something in someone, a space that they needed help, it was so activating to me. And I'm like, I can be friends with this person. Mm. And I spent so much of my life doing that. And obviously that, that came in with bosses too. I cannot tell you how many situations I've been with work because this infiltrates everywhere, guys. Yeah. It's not just, Oh, I'm really secure here and and not here. No, it shows up in all different forms in all different places of your life until you really look at it head on. And so for me, it was this idea of always having to fix something, right. That really brought value to me. So when it did come to the place where someone was (laughs) very aggressively coming after me for a relationship Mm -hmm. and I kept like kind of looking behind my shoulder, like, wait, are they Making that face at me? Like, are they talking to me? Like, it was so confusing Mm -hmm. because I didn't really understand why somebody would want to be with me or how somebody could love me because I definitely had zero love for myself. And the world confirmed that for me that I had no value, right? It was what I did that had value, not who I was, right? So, obviously, the kind of partners that were coming around were people who really responded to my sensitivity. Because they had a major lack of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I would fall into friendships where I was almost like someone's assistant. Like I was lucky to be there. Oh, Relationships where someone had a really deep issue that would not make it to the surface until like two months in. And then this deep insecurity would come. And I'd be like, I can help them. Mm. And every single thing was about filling up other people and depleting myself. So... That to me is what a relationship was. And that was modeled directly after the two probably most influential people in my life, which was my mother and my grandmother, who Mm -hmm. always, which, listen, don't get me wrong. I think the quality of just having so much empathy and so much care for people is such a beautiful thing and is hugely lacking in the current world that we're living in, right? So I don't want to even talk about this like it's a negative thing. However, when it becomes your full identity to the point that you're not allowed to express yourself, you don't do things for yourself, you have no value in who you are, that's when it really becomes an issue. And that's Mm -hmm. what I watched, right? I watched my grandfather with my grandmother try to put really firm boundaries down with his kids who had a lot of drug issues and alcohol issues. And my grandmother would sneak because she could not see anybody hurting or in pain and continue giving them money and bailing them out of jail and doing these things because she didn't want people to hurt. Yeah. But in turn, they were hurting even worse because there was never any accountability, right? And it just perpetuated everything. I watched my mom do it in her romantic relationships with my stepdad, who was completely narcissistic and, you know, used drugs and was on alcohol all the time and always in and out of work. And she had to carry everything. And I had so much respect for it because she was so strong and she was so this, and, yeah. you know, as a result, so much of my life, that's what I found value in. Like I'm a survivalist. Like you yeah. put anything in front of me, I will fix your problem, this problem, their problem. Like watch me I'll juggle all of these things and everyone's going to be happy and they were but I was not and when it came to me really doing this work and beginning to look at how those positive associations right that I believed were what made you a good person through modeling right when i began to realize how those things that i was over identifying with were holding me back i started seeing them in all of my relationships i didn't even know they were there before yeah. right and so i say to people when you're in this process you also have to be gentle because it's really easy to be resentful to the people who are around you to our family to our friends to our partners like you've been doing this and you blah blah blah, blah and you and you treat me like this and that's not okay and we start setting all of these boundaries But the reality is we have to take accountability for the fact that we also were 50% responsible for crafting this dynamic, right? And that's a hard pill to swallow for so many people, right? But it's a slow process because if we just react, right, what I call reactive change versus proactive change. We're just trying to move away from a feeling without having understanding on why it's important, why we have been doing it and what the healthy version of it looks like. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is so important because I love what you said, you know, 50%, 50%, you know, I was reading, this is years ago, like probably 15 years ago. And I was reading something, um, and it could have even been The Big Leap. It's one of my favourite books uh, by Gay Hendr- Hendricks. Mm. And he talks about, you know, in every relationship, we need to take 100% responsibility. And for me, that was that dawning moment like, oh, okay, you know, um, that 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 realisation that even though I was unconscious, I came to this relationship, as did my husband, and if we take 100% responsibility, then everything can change. And what I, you know, I'm always talking a lot about here because, um, you know, I'm with, we're coming up to 22 years married. Um, we have l- walked to the edge of divorce twice. And the mm-hmm. biggest catalytic change in our relationship was the day that both of us realized, decided that we were no longer going to try and make the other one happy. You know, yeah. that's it. I'm done. I'm not making you happy You're not making me happy. I'm going to make me happy. You make you happy. And, of course, the domino effect happened. And I just think that this is so incredibly important, and I love what you said because at the end of the day, we're going through this wellness journey or this awareness journey. It's so important that we do understand that, and I, I often talk a lot from like the quantum physics point of view okay and it's not that I'm a quantum physicist or anything like that so I'm sure I use language in the wrong way because I'm a line three I make I make a fucking (laughs) mess of things um however what's important that we understand is that when we become aware right that we've come into this relationship and, and I often talk like we had a puzzle piece you know we had a puzzle piece that meant that we fitted into that relationship now we didn't do anything right wrong good or bad but now we're aware of it Now we have the choice. Now we have the choice to take responsibility for our part. And I think that this is where, um, and you said something, you know, going back about your grandmother and she didn't want anyone to hurt. And I think for myself, I have a 15-year-old and an 11-year-old, and one of the hardest things to do as a mom is let our kids hurt, but we have to let them hurt. You know, we have to be okay with our own pain. We have to be okay with, you know, facing those parts of ourselves because our shadow is nothing more than parts of ourselves that we push away. You know, we just need to bring all of this energy back within us. And I think that if we start demystifying that whole, you know, I've got this, um, I'm running a mastermind at the moment and and one of the girls, and I get this all the time, and she's like, I didn't realise I was actually allowed to feel my negative emotions. And I was like, there are no negative emotions. Let's just throw the negative stuff out, you know. There's there's emotions and some of them are resourceful and some of them are unresourceful. And at the end of the day, we have to feel all of them. So I love what you were saying about that. And I think within the wellness journey, uh, wellness industry, there's just so much of this. And and even in the personal development world, you know, take massive action, you know, know what you want, uh, go after your goals, all of these things. But it's this, we're just disassociating from ourselves. And like you said, we're going external. You know, the moment I realized, oh my God, I've been trying to fix my life going external first, not internal first. And yep. I feel like this is the piece that people need to hear. This is what we need to know, that it is messy, uncomfortable, but there's nothing right or wrong. It's just this journey of learning how to feel. And when while well, we learn how to feel, take responsibility for our emotions because I'm also an emotional being, which has been really important for me, like really understanding, okay, well, what does being responsible for my emotions mean? Not indulging yeah. them, not repressing them. That's what it means, you know? Yeah. Um, and on this entire, like just speaking to you, I just love every word that's coming out of your mouth. Cause I feel like you put it in such a simple way that people can understand that this is a journey. This is a process and you're allowed to, um, have these experiences. Um, and it's so important for your evolution. And I'd really just love to talk you to talk a little bit about how you work with people. Cause I know that you've got training in, um, NLP and I love it. Cause there's so much language that my listeners is going to be like, oh, Yep. Heard that before. Heard that before. Heard that before. So I'd really love to share like your journey of really discovering yourself. The other thing you said early on, sorry, MG, excited that you said like (laughs) gathering skills, you know, you went and learned something else. You went and learned something else. Sometimes I hear reflectors. They're like, Oh, I get so confused because one day I want to be this. And one day I want to be that. But again, the way, the resourceful way or the the meaning you've attributed to it is I gather skills, I gather skills. And I'd love to hear a bit about about those skills and um, how you serve and support people within your community. And and please tell people how they can get involved with that.
1: Yes. So it's interesting because, again, kind of from the idea of a reflector, right? How I always looked at a reflector in human design is we're everybody. Right. So a lot of times the experience that we're experiencing, people will latch onto. And that's why my social media people say, oh my God, I feel like you're speaking to me in this exact moment. Well, I am. Because if I'm speaking to and expressing the most intimate parts of myself, there is no way another human being is also not feeling that. Right. And if we can all understand that, like you're saying, there's no good or bad feelings. They're just feelings. Right. For so many people, I just went to a celebration for, a friend of mine who passed very suddenly of cancer, 41 years old, and a, a family member who lived to be 102 years old, and watching people mourn was really interesting because everybody apologized for crying. Everybody mm. hid their face when they started crying, put their face down, almost like they don't want to be looked at because we believe or we're taught that being vulnerable being vulnerable is weak, but it's okay to be angry, right? Right. Oh, people feel that. That's okay. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be joyful. It's okay to be even be anxious. Mm. But if you are sad, if you're hurt, if you feel vulnerable, that is not okay. And it's just a load of bullshit. I right? totally agree. Because some feelings just need to be felt, especially with grief. They come in waves, nobody grieves, you know, with the veil over their head and they feel one feeling for the next six years of their life. Right. And it's funny because people don't even talk about this. So if people start laughing at something, they feel guilty because they think they should be mourning something, but you are a human being. You are designed to feel multiple feelings and they ebb and they flow. And that is actually living life is allowing yourself to experience these things. Right. And so how I work with people is trying to take the fear out of it by not even just everything is resourceful if it's used in the correct place. That's the reality, right? Mm -hmm. You want a problem. I say this to people all the time. A problem is when we attach an unresourceful state to an event Mm -hmm. that creates a problem. There is always the resourceful state that we need to link up with the event so we can move through it right? And sometimes a feeling just has to be felt so that it moves. And sometimes a feeling has to be felt so that you can prove it wrong. You feel the depth of the disparity that's attached to that feeling. You look it right in the face, you cry, it feels unproductive, you release it. And then you say intellectually, what do I have to do to work through this feeling? And Mm -hmm. you come up with a plan right? And so, so much of what I do is very similar in the language that you're using is I teach people how to find resources within themselves at all times. So I do one-on-one. A lot of times people will book a package. If they can't afford a package, we can do so much in one session, right? Mm -hmm. I like people, I have a model I created, and it's very easy to remember for embodiment right? Because that's what we're doing here. We're trying to define ourselves as individuals and fully embody it. And that comes in form of an acronym because we all love that. And it's easy to remember. And that acronym is I am. Identify or identification, awareness, and movement. Reactive changes, something comes up, we don't like it, and we try and move away from it. We haven't identified the issue. We've raised zero awareness. Yeah. So we don't learn anything because that thing's probably going to fail. Our consciousness is still back where we left it. So we have to identify the issue. We have to ask questions. We have to raise awareness, ask ourselves, how is it that I do want to feel? Because everybody even says, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. Great. Your subconscious does not understand that. So if you don't want to shrink when you're in a group of people, what do you want? And people look at me with this blank deer in the headlight. Look. Because they don't know how to find the resource, right? Because how do, how do so many of us even bond through complaining? We're so good at discussing negativity and things that bother us. And we have a hard time even accepting compliments. Oh, I love your blast. Oh, this it's old. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Oh, I I love yours. Right. We can't even hold that space for ourselves. Yeah. That's what we go over in awareness is beginning to really craft a new foundation We deal with whatever blocks come up in opposition. I use whether it's um, tapping or EFT, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnosis, breath work, right? Mental and emotional release therapy is another thing that I do where we follow the feeling to actual moments where we unconsciously make decisions. And you don't have to intellectually remember it. So many people come to me and go, I don't have memories from being a kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, great, you don't need to. Your body and your brain will bring the feeling up when I take you through this journey, yeah, you can't get there with intellect, right? And that's what we have to understand. We have to go slowly. We have to learn the new way forward. And that's what I teach people. Presence, first thing I focus on. We're so concerned about, you know, even <clears throat> previous jobs and companies that I worked for. Oh, the past and the future. But we don't teach people how to live here. This is your life. This is a new moment. You just fucked up. Here's another one. Start over. Here's another moment. That one passed. Here's another moment. Great. Here's another one here too. But we give things meaning in the way that we learn to. Oh, well, I already screwed up my diet. So I'm just going to continue eating like shit for the rest of the day. Yeah. That's a choice based on your past programming because you are lacking presence. You're in your story. Yeah. Presence allows choice and choice allows change. And if we cannot stay here in this moment, we cannot choose differently. We just keep projecting the story around us. So we know who we are or how we're allowed to be at all times. And the result stays the same. So I work with people by bringing them back in their body, first and foremost, relaxing their nervous system, building a foundation to actually have a roadmap that is outside of you. That is from your perspective, just focused on your individual needs Mm-hmm. And then we work through any blocks or information that is not in support of it. Yeah. That's one-on-one. Ooh, I have wow. workshops that are available. Trigger workshop will be out by the time that this comes because we run away from triggers.
0: Oh my God, Simon! So we run
1: away from people who make us feel a certain way, quote unquote. And I know that I said people made me feel, but the reality is nobody makes you feel anything except for you. Yeah. Right. But when we don't have the awareness, it feels like people do. Right. So the trigger workshop is here not to just support people when they're triggered, but it's hitting triggers from a bunch of different perspectives. There's cognitive disruption techniques to create psychological distance. There are two trigger formulas to use in the moment you are being triggered. There are journal prompts to work things through, and there are three hypnotic immersions, which is my brand of hypnosis. Yeah. One for when you know you're heading into a triggering environment. So you could do all of the preparatory work and expand your nervous system. Just kidding. It's coming out (laughs) literally right before the holidays. Thanksgiving (laughs) and Christmas. (laughs) Third week in November. The second audio is when you actually know what the root of a trigger is, or you have a situation with somebody, or so you can call them in and say everything that you needed to say and hear what you needed to hear. Mm. And the third one is to bring you back into your body and relax your nervous system after a trigger. And then my other workshop that's available right now is called rehearse for calibrate review and that's all about presence and utilizing every moment of your day to decide who you want to be that day.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And it's three audios that tap into your body's natural biological rhythm to expedite change. Morning and evening, we're in a faded state of hypnosis, hypnagogic, hypnopompic afternoon slump, 1 to 3 p.m., we have less neurotransmitters, we're exhausted, we tend to shut down and start numbing at that time, and that's another great checkpoint. So there are three audios in that workshop, but also all alternative practices if we're at work, if we're busy, that you can really use to begin to craft a day that works for you.
0: Oh, I love all of that. And because I sort of evolved in the whole Tony Robbins time, you know, I just like I feel like, and and at the time it worked. You know, for me it worked. Um, however, I just love hearing the way you've crafted these things. I feel like they they've come with more, I don't know, gentleness, more uh, awareness, more of that. I think that <clears throat> again, your natural energy really understand, like you get humans. So I, I think that that sounds really beautiful. And there's okay. something I want to ask you. Yeah, this is something that I um, and just you, I'm just really curious about your opinion. So. I have done lots of work on blocks, unblocking. I mean, I've worked with thousands of clients now. Um, I've done it not just for myself. You know, I've been doing. I've been doing all of this for like twenty years. And one thing that I see over and over and over again, and it just ah uh, frustrates me, is that we now have this obsession with blocks. And yeah. at the end of the day. I'm like, the here's the thing. Absolutely. There are things that we've created to keep ourselves st- safe that we mm-hmm. call blocks. They're there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I see all the time, and I see it in my classes, you know, in my mastermind, I will see these beautiful humans beat themselves up. Like, oh, well, I just haven't done enough work on that block yet. And I'm oh. like, I'm going to call bullshit on that. And I actually want you to claim it. I think one of the things that, human design is very powerful for is that we can claim it. Once we yep. understand these innate energies, we identify that we've been expressing these innate energies from a shadow state um, and we we can actually choose to claim these higher energies. We can actually mm-hmm. choose to express them in a different way. And one thing that I always say, and, you know, I've done a lot of um, work in the past that people focus a lot on blocking or unblocking, I should say, And one of the things that I've always taught my clients is that we do the unblocking, sure. But first and foremost, we want to kind of get a feel and and an understanding of where we want to go. And then the blocks are going to show themselves as we go on that journey. Exactly. And then as those blocks come up, we do the work on it. And then we finish with gratitude. Because the really important thing is we need to recalibrate. Like if we're constantly focused on what we don't want, I mean, that's the, the negativity bias, right? It's already there. We're already doing it. It's our default setting. But the blocks are keeping us there. So I think one of the things for me, and, and we're, again, looking for something external of us to validate that that block is cleared. And I yeah. think that this is something for me that I feel is, uh just become a trend that frustrates me. Like uh, totally we need to move past things. Absolutely there's yeah. things standing in our way. But we also need to be super conscious to recalibrate, recalibrate, recalibrate the, the reticular activating system. And the way... You know, I've done it with my clients is I'm like, right, now I want you to find gratitude for the things, like any little thing that's happened, any experience, any awareness, anything that is getting you closer to this person. So effectively, we're finishing with gratitude to, you know, claim this new thing, to really let go of the block, because I just feel way too many people are getting block obsessed and actually all they're doing is keeping themselves in their shadow expressions. And I would love oh. to hear your opinion on all of that.
1: Yeah. Or keeping themselves in a stress response, which let's face it, everything. And again, sometimes people are like, oh, you're being so judgmental about the wellness industry. Listen, I work in it. I've worked hand in hand with so many of these people. I've consulted on other brands. I see people's motivation and guess who loves you to continue to be blocked every single wellness brand, because guess what? Then you have to stay subscribed, right? And that's the reality of it. And whether people are uncomfortable with that, That's not my issue, right? Mm. It's just the truth. So I don't even like to use the word blocks, really, because we want to look at what it is, right? What is the purpose of a block, right? And I like to actually call it parameters of comfort.
0: Oh, I love it. Right?
1: Because that's what a block is, right? It's the perimeter or parameters that keep you in the space that you know how to feel safe within, within what feels familiar, and it's important to, instead of just, I'm looking for blocks, I'm looking for blocks. So many people come to me and that's the first thing they want to talk about. You're 100% correct. And I said, I'll tell you what your block is. Your block is that you're obsessed at looking for blocks. And the more blocks you think you have, the more you will find and you will forever be stuck in this space. Why don't we take a moment? First of all, because the first thing I do is teach people how your mind works. And then we got to go into how you want to show up. And like you're saying, whatever's in opposition will make itself known. You don't have to go looking for it and closing your eyes and navigating through your childhood for three months. The moment you go to do the thing that feels outside of your behavior, you're going to have the negative voice. You're going to have the limiting beliefs. You're going to have anxiety that comes up that is telling you all of the reasons you shouldn't. It will make itself known. Yeah. And that is a really great working off point for us because now we know where our specific attention needs to go to create familiarity and comfort with this unconscious feeling. That's what all of this is about. It's not about being perpetually unhappy, thinking we're going to uncover every block and then we're going to be full of joy all the time. Listen, you're not. I've done this work my whole life. I'm still unhappy. Some days I still get triggered. I still get anxious because I'm supposed to.
0: Yeah, and you're human. Think.
1: Yeah, every single thing the same and over-boundarying myself, that's not going to happen. And that's not what we want, right? So I fully agree as far as this idea of blocks. Gratitude for me is a little bit harder, right? Because, and I don't really work on gratitude with people because, so many of the people that I do work with come from codependency. So I don't again, want them to overvalue, Oh, my morning coffee. I'm so grateful. You're actually not right. It feels like a stretch. Like I hate my fucking life. I hate my job. Nobody understands me, but I'm grateful for coffee. It doesn't really do it for me. Right. But if we can start to take Personal responsibility and understanding, okay, this is what I want. This is what the block is. This is what my unresourceful state is. This is what my personal mission is now. That's activating to us. Yeah. Right. And we want to take it slowly. We want to make this new way of being familiar because we are in control here. Everybody wants us to believe that that's not true. And it is. And if we all understood that, we wouldn't have this 1% power dynamic that's happening. Yeah, exactly. People believe they're powerless and we see it show up everywhere. And Mm. it starts with the individual.
0: Yeah, I love all of that. I'm also geeking out because your, your design son is in the 21, which is all about control. And that journey of, you know, like being controlled to that journey of, Um, you know, just really understanding that you are the authority within. So I just think that that's beautiful. I just had to geek out on that. And I totally agree. And I love, you know, that piece about gratitude as well. You know, um, a lot of my, so my journey started at 28. So nearly 20 years ago when I was diagnosed with depression and panic disorder. And I sat in front of the leading specialist in my city. And he told me that I would uh, never heal from it, but I would learn to manage it. And mm. I was literally like, mm, "That's helpful." No, uh, that's not a choice. That's not an option. And I remember saying to him because I knew I could feel inside of me, like that the if I just could understand. I was like, "So how did I get myself here? Like, what did I do to get myself here?" And he was like, well, "You didn't do anything." And I'm like, "Nope, no." Nope. And you know that was ca- a catalytic uh, moment for me because I was like, "Well, I'm either you know that's it. I'm out. Tap at, I'm tapping out, or yeah. I'm going to find a way to heal myself." And I think that you know, a large part of um, who I am is all about self-empowerment, is really realising that. And I did heal myself. I healed my mental health. And the really interesting thing, and I love what you because it kind of ties into what you said, like I healed my mental health, healed my marriage. Um, I got out of the advertising industry and and studied to become a master coach and, you know, started my own business and it was successful, all of these things. And then I still had this big hole in me like, shouldn't I feel better right now because I don't um and it was that journey of really that was the the time when I really started to discover who I who I was on the inside and and that sort of thing so I feel like there's so much of of that oh that's where I was going with that sorry get distracted sometimes so one of the things that I, I want to come back to that gratitude piece because he said something so important that I love and in my experience with gratitude, one of my favourite books that I read years ago um, is called "Hardwiring Happiness" and understanding the chemicals of, of gratitude. And I think what you're referring to, or um, in my opinion, is that this is how gratitude's almost been used like the blocks. In my opinion, like yeah. exactly what you say, like just be grateful for your coffee. It's like no, no, no. Gratitude doesn't count until you feel it because you actually have 4%. to feel it because otherwise, the chemicals that help the mind, body, spirit. The brain never releases them. So yeah. I, I think that's really is so important for people to understand. And it's this piece where, again, people are just running, at, like you said at the beginning, running other people's models. They're just running the model and expecting change. And for me, I feel like for all the things that I trained in, for all of the modalities, all the, person, uh, the personality and behavioral profiling tools, this is why human design is so important and so powerful is because it gets us out of our head and into our body, and it teaches us how to feel our way through life. It teaches us the wisdom that lies within us. It teaches us how to actually become our own guru, Um, and that I believe, you know, like you said, the powers that be want us to think that we are powerless, and we are ultimately the most powerful thing You know, we, we have so much power that lies within us, but at the end of the day, if we're not willing to pick up that baton, pick up that, even that possibility, like you don't even need to believe that you're powerful, that the possibility of believing you're powerful is, is enough. Right. And I just really like, I feel it's so important that people, and I love your work for this. And I love how you call out the, the wellness industry, because at the end of the day, I mean, one of the things I'm talking about always is results. Are you getting the results? It does not matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter what I say. Are you getting the results? And ultimately, are you not getting the results because you're not taking 100% responsibility and doing the work? Because for me, I was one of those people that I threw myself at everything. I did everything. And then I thought there was something wrong with me because I wasn't getting the results. And at totally. the end of the end of the day, one of the biggest lessons for me and and what I really hope all our listeners are hearing today is like once I started just paying attention to the results I was getting, do I feel better? Like is my anxiety like I had anxiety like lived in a panic attack for years. And you know the one thing that shifted was the moment someone said, "Oh no, the way you deal with anxiety is you just like treat it like your best friend." And I can remember my ego going, oh, that's not happening. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm willing to try anything at this point. And I did that, you know, and I started talking to my anxiety. Um, you know, hey, old friend, what are you doing? What are you trying to show me? And all of a sudden it just, you know, disappeared almost. It, it really, well, it didn't disappear overnight. It took a time, but that was the catalyst. So I just, I just want to kind of just say that I love everything that you're putting out in the world. I feel like you have such a um Powerful way of seeing things. It's backed up with so much life experience. And as a line three, uh, I'm a line three. So it's really important for me that people actually have the real experience as well as the book experience. And I just love everything that you're bringing out into the world. Thank um, you. Is there anything that I've said that you would like to respond to? Because I feel like there was some writing down and there was a lot of nodding. So yeah. I'd love to hear what <laughs> you'd like to respond to.
1: Yeah, definitely. And again, leading into this idea of gratitude right? Even for, cause a lot of people would listen and be like, and I think this is where people get confused or confuse themselves. Like, how can I be grateful for a block? Right. Hmm. Or why should I be grateful for a block? Right. But if we, if we reframe that as a parameter of comfort and then we get curious and we really look into what is this trying to keep me safe or protect me from, right? If we can understand the purpose it's serving, whether it's healthy or unhealthy and appreciate the fact that that is the job that it is doing, then it gives us permission to move through it and find a different way. And that's where real gratitude comes in. And so many people talk about, and listen, I was a manifestation coach for a few years. And the reason I stopped doing that was because people were like, I manifested this, I manifested this, but they still weren't happy. And I was like, I want to teach people within themselves, right? Not yeah, just have yeah. all the time, because let's be real—that's nobody, right? Yeah. But they still didn't understand. They thought, "Oh well, the manifestation process did this, or the universe did this, or right?" It's so easy to become codependent Ooh, with I anything. Love it's not that. just a relationship, right? Codependency can be your relationship with anything, with journaling, with doing yoga, with right. It infiltrates everything. It's not one unique area. It is the way you were taught to show up within the world, right? Yeah. So if you're not happy with it, we have to look at all of these other areas because the only thing that we are responsible for, and the only thing that we have any influence over at all is our own state. Mm -hmm. And when that changes things outside of us have to. Yeah it disrupts certain dynamics in relationships because you are showing up differently. You don't need that person to be something else. They are being how they were taught to be, to keep safe. And it's either going to work for you or it's not going to, right? Mm. And that's where real power and real choice come in because we're no longer held hostage by the things in our environment. We start informing the environment and influencing the environment and then making choices that are beneficial for us instead of constantly seeking the permission and validation to just get a little moment to be who we think we're allowed to be at that time.
0: Oh my God. I love that so much. And I just have to, as I call it, highlight, go back over. Cause I think it's so incredibly powerful. Like oftentimes people are like, Oh, I've, you know, I don't look for external validation anymore. And this was my journey. And then I'd be like, come on universe. I need a sign. I love what you're talking about. There's absolutely codependence in the universe, the model, human design. Like, how many times people I hear people say, well, it's not in my design or it's in my design, so I have to. And I'm always like, "Mm, no, absolutely not. If it resonates, then pick it up, run with it. But at the end of the day, and human design is an experiment, an experiment. So run it and see if it works. And, you know, ultimately, the truth lies within you. And I think that people don't realize that they are codependent or looking for their validation through the universe. You know, they're, they're just, as I said before, like jumping from one dogma to the next dogma and still giving their power away. And at the end of the day, that this is the journey, the journey inward. And oftentimes I'm just doing some uh, work with the keys at the moment. And um, in there, Richard Rudd talks about like there's kind of two ways to enlightenment. One, you can go and meditate you go sit in the cave and meditate and do whatever. And the other is basically through relationships. So buckle up and and get, you know, get into it. And I think that for me, I just had such realization because I am at this time in my life where I look back and there's been so many bumpy rides through relationships. It's that, oh, wow, who I am today is because I stopped Giving my power away to everyone else, including the universe, including human design, including all the models that I sat in rooms studying for three years, you know? And yeah. I think it's that balance that we all need is that we need to collect skills, we need to um, evolve, learn, grow. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with us. We have to take yeah. full responsibility. And I just. Everything that you're doing, I think, is incredibly powerful. I'm so grateful for you being here. I feel like I could talk to you for two hours. I've got a list of questions I never even got to. Um, You want to do uh, a fire round? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I might just have to invite you back next year, especially if you've launched your new program. Um, But Atara, thank you so much for being here. As I say, I feel like we've just scraped the surface, but please let everyone know where they can find you and, yeah, learn more with you.
1: Yeah. So if you are interested in booking a session in buying some of my courses, you could go to theseedlevel.com and everything is on the website. You can sign up for my mailing list there. And Instagram is what I'm the most active on. I'm very generous and very sharing on there. I teach a lot of free lessons, a lot of journal prompts, a lot of actionable steps. Um, And that's just at Atara Valentine. And I'm looking forward to connecting with more new faces soon.
0: Yay, I love that. And I just have to geek out momentarily because in your design, I don't know if you've, have you done any work with the gene Keys at all?
1: Someone did them once, but I didn't retain very much of it. But it was great when I got it done. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And, you know, um, anyway, don't have time for my whole big rant I was going to go into. But the thing I want to share with you is there's a part of the gene Keys, which is called uh, the Pearl Sequence. And the Pearl Sequence is, you know, it's really how we become are prosperous and not just money but like we feel fulfillment it's how we serve the other um, and there's so much within your like your vocation um, is the 41 line one and this line one is in two places and the line two is in two places and you talk so much about the seed and literally I think it's in the brand, the line two, it's called the seed. I just love it. And the line ones are all about these, these really powerful foundations that you're building. So I always have to geek out on, on these things. And at the end of the day, you know, the way that you are going to be the most prosperous and I have to geek because this is the way I found you is by being seen, you know, by being recognized for your natural talents and who you are. And I remember when uh, and because I don't really sc- scroll through Instagram, I'm not big on social media, and I don't even know how I first saw one of your posts. But the moment I saw you, I was like, Ooh, you're you're interesting. I, I want to hear what you have to say. So I just love that, you know, again, you really are living your design. I love that you don't even know your design that, you know, that deeply because at the end of the day, and I really want everyone to hear this, especially those that are new to human design. You are the one who brings it to life, okay? At the end of the day, it's your experiment. You're not here to fit into a box. You're not here to be told what to do. So any reader that tells you you are this or you are that, it's just not true. It's fucking not true. You're the one that gets to choose and decide. And oftentimes... When we learn uh, and discover our human design, we do discover that we're experiencing it through the shadow. And all we have to do is follow our strategy and authority. And maybe it is to someone like Atara to help you um, really start to embody those higher expressions of yourself. But, yeah, I love all of this. Oh, that's the other thing I really wanted to geek out on. Part of your purpose is in the line four and it's breath, and you're talking about breath work, um, so, again, like so much just speaking your design. It's beautiful.
1: Thank, Thank you. you. so,
0: so much for being here. I've loved spending time with you and uh, hopefully we can have you back another time.
1: Um, signed up already.
0: I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for being here. It's been such a gift to have you and I so look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone, for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.